I've got a special Ask a Pro episode to share today to focus on rainbow trout fishing in Alaska. Our pro today is Adam Cuthrell from Fish Island Expeditions. Adam's going to take us on a deep dive into rainbow trout fishing in Alaska. These Ask a Pro segments are a quick way to drill into specific content so you're ready for that, uh, that next big trip. We've been talking Alaska, we've been there, and we're going to be heading back. So uh, so let's jump into it with Adam and watch him break this one down. Here we go. Adam Cuthrell from Fishhound Expeditions. How's it going, Adam? Doing good, Dave. Getting ready for the season. Yeah, it's here. Exactly. Yeah, we're, well, I'll put some uh, some links to some of the past episodes we've done, but we're kind of working through a, a Alaska, you know, season, year in Alaska, and some of the trips you have going to help people if they're either going up either with you or us, you know, or on a trip here, or if they're actually doing their own thing, or maybe they're going with another group or lodge or something like that. I want people to understand a little bit about what it's like. We have the, a gear episode we did. But now I want to focus on uh, rainbows. And I know rainbows, you can hit them in the fall, you can hit them in the, the spring and probably throughout the year. But take us there. If we're thinking rainbow fishing, give us a quick little, well, what we're going to do rainbows, give us a quick little who you are really quickly and a little about fish hound, and then we'll jump into the rainbows. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my name is Adam Cuthrell. I own a guide service based here in Alaska. We run trips throughout the state. We do day trips up in the Matsu Valley for rainbow trout, Arctic grayling, Dolly Varden, and of course salmon. Uh, we do shorter multi-day heli fishing trips out of South Central. Uh, we operate six to 10 day float trips in Western Alaska based out of Bethel, and we run Kodiak steelhead fishing in October. There it is. There it is. So All over the place, Jason Fish. Yeah, yeah, you got it all. You're down in down the south, down the west, and and Alaska's huge, obviously, but it feels like because of the the heli and and the plains and stuff, you can pretty much just go anywhere. Is that kind of the situation up there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with helicopters, you can definitely go anywhere. They can land on <laughs> land on a dime, the old cliche, but they're they're pretty amazing vehicles. And then also, of course, you know. Float planes and wheeled bush planes are a necessity for up here because there are very few roads. That's right. So we're going to be on this trip that you you set up some of these heli trips. You pile in all the gear, including rafts and and everything. And and they and is that how it works? They just drop you off on a bar somewhere and you you go for it. Yep, yep. That's pretty much it. You know the heli stuff that we're doing. Um, we got a couple rivers that we operate on and fantastic clear water trout streams. And depending on the length of the trip, you know, we, sh on the short side, we'll float, like we'll do single day heli fishing trips. It's about 12 miles on the trip that you and I are going to be doing. It's about, you know, right under 40 miles. Uh, so it allows for a lot of time to be spent fishing, not just floating from A to B. You know, a lot of the other rivers that we do in Western Alaska are, are, are long rivers. Like we talked about the, the Queethluck and the Cuscoquim last time, you know, the Queethluck's beautiful river, but it's over 110 miles long. And that's just a lot of time in the boat that has to go from A to B. We're doing, you know, some of these shorter trips where you're only doing 40 or 50 miles. It allows you to have a lot more time on your own two feet working the water actually spent fishing. Fishing, which is good. And I remember when I was on the Queethluck a while back, we we had actually uh, jet sleds up there, small boats. And what I remember about it going up there is that it was so much wood. I mean, it was like you're just constantly just pinging back and forth. Is that something on these rivers when we're floating that that's an issue? Do, is the river always changing? And are you like having to pick the raft up, stuff like that? Um, these rivers are always changing. You know, they're very dynamic being free stones and they, they do change a lot. Uh, the Queethluck in particular uh, one year we were out there and 
it was the same river it had been the prior two years. And then we show up, you know, the following year and there was a massive flood and the entire thing changed. And, uh, we generally always have a chainsaw with us because yes, oh, right. sometimes there does have to be a lot of cutting, but for the shorter trip, like you and I are doing, uh, there is a couple spots. I'm sure we'll see how, uh, spring has treated it, uh, this year, but we try to go up, uh, preseason and try to get as much of that stuff cut out as we can. But a chainsaw is something that is almost always with us. That's it. Okay, good. Well, that's kind of a snippet. Like I said, we'll have a link. We have a full length episode with you on more of the whole the whole thing you do. But today we're going to dig into specifically rainbows and and the mousing. I mean, if anybody talks about fishing for Alaska or just rainbows, the mousing is if you haven't done it and I haven't done it yet. Uh, it seems like the most exciting thing. So let's think of this now. We're in, and if we're in the fall, mid say mid September, take us to the river and, and talk about what what that looks like and, and how you guys do this. Yeah, yeah. So mousing, like you said, it is a huge part of rainbow trout fishing up here. It's a big part of our trout's diets. And, you know, you're talking in the season, you know, we're going in the fall, but early season in the spring, that's the main food source for our trout are the shrews and voles that inhabit Alaska. And it's a big meal source to a trout. So a fish or trout will always see that shrew or that vole, even if there's a ton of eggs in the water they will see that mouse as a big shot of protein. And in the fall, you know, a lot of those fish have been eating those eggs all the time. And just like us, in my opinion, being a crazy fishing guide, uh, I wouldn't want to eat french fries all the time, or I wouldn't want to eat moose steak all the time. I like having a little variety. And when they see that shrew or that vole pattern in the fall, it's something different. Um, and it's also a big meal source. You know, you kind of, in the fall, like early season, you can fish a mouse from morning till, well, it never gets dark in the spring. So you can fish it 24-7. In the fall, um, they will eat it during the heat of the day, but it works a little bit better in the early morning hours and in the later morning, uh, sorry, later evening hours just be create, because it creates more of a profile on the surface. You know, just like bug fishing down in the lower 48, they're able to see that profile a little bit better making that wake. And uh, the best way to fish it, you know, whether you're drifting down on the boat or if you're on your own two feet walking down is just looking for those places where either one, a shrew or vole would fall into the water or two, where a trout is staged being, I mean, we, they call our fish up here, leopard rainbows for a couple of reasons. One spots all over them, hence a leopard, but also the way they eat. I mean, they very much are predators. They will be in heavily wooded areas looking for smaller bait fish, looking for lampreys, looking for shrews and voles, and just attack it. So wherever you see an area that's got good structure, particularly log jams, I mean, we've got uh, one of my guides, he'll actually dive down, he wears a wetsuit, we call him the otter, <laughs> but he's got just some amazing footage of trout just literally stacked right up underneath these logs oh, where you're no never, kidding. you can never get a swung fly to, you know, and the only way to get these things to eat is by having a fly that doesn't get stuck in the logs. And that up here is a mouse and he cast out, it plops on the surface. It does not, it's not a little tiny dry fly. It does not land delicately. It smacks that surface. And then you start dancing it. I always like to joke with guests and clients. You want that moose to be swimming at about one mouse power. And actually, if you ever see a shrew or vole actually move across the surface, they swim actually pretty darn fast. Uh, so you want to keep that thing moving so that it's creating a wake. Um, and then they come up and hit it. And when you're mouse fishing for trout, 
it's really hard for a lot of anglers who are used to, you know, dry fly fishing in the lower 48 where you got to set that hook almost instantaneous with uh, mouse fishing. It's almost like swinging for steelhead. You got to let them eat it and you got to feel that fly being taken by the fish before you set that hook. So you watch that trout eat that mouse and you don't set that hook. You wait for that mouth to close for that trout to turn. And then you raise and get that pressure because if you set that hook, you're literally pulling it right out of its mouth. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So, so you got this thing in and that's really awesome on the video. So I'd love to see some of this video. So you got these fish, these big, massive rainbows that are stacked up, just hiding under their cover. You make this cast as close to you can to the wood as, as you think. Oh, Is yeah. that what you do? Yeah. Yep. I mean, even, even hitting the wood, having it hit that wood and bounce off. So it looks like a mouse house that just fell so we typically well not typically i'm sorry we actually don't have mice in alaska there's shrews and voles and there's umpteen different variations so you say mouse fishing but it's imitates a shrew or vole at least from a trout's point of view up here um but yeah you bounce that off the log even cast it onto the bank and pull it off the bank so it looks like the real guy swimming across uh, out across the current this is so cool yeah, great presentation for it. It's so cool. So when you make that uh, cast, so you drop it near the wood, what does it look like as far as the stripping or the action? How are you doing that to the fly? Um, you know, you're definitely pulling in a little bit of the line, but you're really shaking your forearm, shaking your wrist, getting that rod to wobble so that it's kind of like um, like skittering caddis in the lower 48. You know, you use that rod tip to create that action so that that rod is wiggling and it's pulling in that line so that mouth fly is moving across the surface and creating a wake. And I'll typically wiggle that rod tip, get that fish, get that mouse to move, let it pause for a second because the mouse is getting tired. He's taking a breather and then he's swimming again. And then as you're wiggling that rod tip, you're pulling line in and just like swinging for steelhead or salmon, you want to have, you don't want to have too much line and you don't want to have, you don't want to be impeding the drift. So there's a happy medium there of moving that fly line, having the right amount of line out so that when the fish takes, it's able to grab that mouse turn and then you're able to put tension on it. So if you have too much line, you're not going to be able to get that hook set and put tension. But if you don't have enough line, you, the fish is going to short strike it and not going to get that hook. So it's a happy medium in between. Oh, wow. So you're shaking your arm and you're kind of slowly stripping it towards you across the, yep. you know, the current, just like a, almost like a, um, not a fast uh, retrieve, but just a slow pulling the line back. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. So that's getting the action. And then on the casting, when you make that cast, what would you recommend for somebody maybe who's not a super all-star caster? Is it something where, because that's a big fly, right? Is there a trick to making this cast? Because, and then getting it accurately near the bake is not easy either. This is true. It does take a little bit of practice. Uh, but like we've spoken prior, our fish up here are not leader shy. They're super aggressive. They will often hit a mouse two, three, four, five, even six times until they actually get it in their mouth. So if you blow the cast once, don't worry about it. If you hit the water too hard, don't worry about it. You're going to have another opportunity either for that same fish or for another fish five, 10 feet down. Um, and that's another thing that people try to delicately sit these massive foam mouse patterns. It's like, man, slap it down there. When a mouse actually when sorry, shrew or vole, we'll just say mouse for now. So we're not too geeky here with this speak, but when they hit the water, they're either falling off or they're making a beeline to get from point A to point B because they know there are sharks in the water that will eat them. They move across the water quick, trying to get across. So if a mouse finds himself in the water, he's generally not where he wants to be, and they move really quick. So getting that cast, you know, with it, whether it's just a single overhand cast or a roll cast, 
plop it out there in that general area and just get that thing moving. And again, if you're not the greatest caster and like in golf, if you slicing it to the right, move yourself to the left, move yourself to the right. So you can, you know, adjust for that slice or how that big heavy mouse fly is hitting with the setup that you're got just by but positioning yourself differently can help make that more effective. So if you make the cast and you splash it down right in the fish and maybe it doesn't take it, should you put it right back at the same spot or you're not worried about spooking the fish, right? Just keep, or how's that look? Generally, you're not worried about spooking the fish. You know, we do fish crystal clear water. You know, you always want to try to have, you know, in your mindset of hunting these fish and not blowing your cover. Um, But a lot of the time by positioning yourself upstream of where the fish is, you're able to get that good cast slightly down river and have the current actually helping swing that mouse across as you're moving your arm, moving that rod tip, getting it to dance. My favorite way is you start up high in the run and you just work your way down. And it's it's a very good approach, you know, on the opposite side of the bank. So you're not blowing your cover and you're just hitting that mouse all along the bank. And these, I mean, as we said earlier, a mouse is a big meal source for these fish. So I've seen trout move 10, 12 feet down river to come up and hit a mouse. I mean, it's it's just awesome. It, That's it, cool. It'll really ruin you for dry, <laughs> it'll ruin right. you for dry fly fishing. So there's two ways we're looking at this. We've got the fishing, like kind of the downstream across, almost like you're swinging for steelhead, right? You could Very do that much mouse. so. Very and then you so. also have the out of the boat. So we're going to be floating down on this, or anybody could be floating down. And as somebody's rowing, you're on the front of the boat or the back of the boat, and you're casting downstream. Is that Are those the two things that you're going to be doing? Yeah. You know, when you're going from the boat, you know, it's kind of like streamer fishing. You want to be banging those banks, banging behind eddies of rocks or boulders or of log jams. And you're just working that mouse basically like you would a streamer, but it's on the surface and it's so much fun. I mean, mouse fishing, any way you do it, whether it's on a boat or on your own two feet is awesome because it's very visual. You're you're seeing the fly on the surface. You're seeing the wake of the trout come after it. You're seeing the fish come up from the depths to eat it. it's very voyeuristic watching watching that uh, mouse get hit. Okay, so that's it. And and the boat. Why I was thinking about this a little bit because we uh, I ran into NRS at the uh, at the show at the IFTD thing, and they have a new. Uh, well, I guess I asked them whether you could wear studs on it, but they have a new bottom base layer to their their floor now, which is it's not Kevlar, but it's something really. So they're getting rid of their standing platforms right on the boats. Do you guys? When you're floating down, are you able to do this like just sitting in your seat or are you actually having oh, yeah. to stand up? Nope. You know, we built all of our frames ourselves um, so that there's um, we use stadium seats that we attach to the frames into the boat. So you do got back support. And, you know, most of the rivers that we fish are for Alaska standards are on the small to medium sized and a far cast is like 10 or 15 feet. And oh, wow. if, if you don't, you know, some guys are like, oh, I need to stand up to cast. I'm like, man, if you can't cast 10 to 15 feet sitting down, like you, <laughs> we'll, we, we need to pull over and work on your casting because right. you're not having to make 30, 40 foot casts. No, uh, it, it's, it's very, very user friendly. No, I love and that. It, I mean, man, mainly just good roll cast will get you where you need to be 90% of the time or a single overhand cast. And I know on another episode, you and I spoke a little bit more about gear, um, but just having a good fly line is of the utmost importance up in Alaska for turning over big flies, whether it be a mouse or a streamer, just having a good weight forward, heavy grained fly line to get those flies out there easily is of the utmost importance. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll, uh, I'll link out to that again. Yeah. That re, I think you mentioned the Rio line was a good one yep. and there's a outbound few outbound short, the outbound short. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So 
So we have a little feel for what this is going to be like in mid-September with the rainbows. What else, you know, should we be thinking about? Is, is that kind of, have we done a good job of summarizing, kind of taking us to the water? Anything else we should be getting prepared for? No, that's good. You know, just the the mouse fishing, you know, during the fall, you know, as, as we had talked prior, there's lots of eggs in the water and, you know, fishing an indicator, a bobber rig uh, with a bead down there is can be productive, but as one of my clients said a few years ago, he's like, why would you want to do anything else? I, I agree with you, man. I'd rather catch five to 10 on the surface than 20 subsurface. Yeah, that's the same analogy we've used over, you know, like the Deschutes is a big river over here for steelhead. And uh, you sometimes you see guys out there like nymphing for steelhead and you're just like, wow. I mean, literally the middle of the summer when it's time to swing and f- fish are coming up and all that, it, it's the prime. Why would you do anything else but try to get a fish yeah. on the surface? So yep. this is good. Okay, so so basically that's where we're at. This and the whole story of of what the trip looks like. Again, we've got some. We're, we're going to be talking more about that. But as far as rainbow fishing, and the, you got the beads, you got the mousing. Are there any other ways to fish, or is that kind of those are it for rainbows? Uh, swinging, swinging streamers. You know, a lot of guys and myself included too will like using a two handed rod, and you can just kind of you know we talked a little bit before the trout spay. You know, fishing fry patterns, bait fish patterns, sculpin patterns, uh, and just casting out and swinging them that way is also a very fun way to to get a grab. Okay, good, and that and that's where you might have some sinking tips or something to get down. Yeah, yeah. You know, that time of year we talked earlier about the decaying zombie chum carcasses. I mean, their flesh is literally deteriorating and going off and providing great meal sources to these fish. Uh, so, swinging flesh flies in the fall is also another very fun way oh, uh, right. to catch catch these big rainbows yeah flesh flies that's right okay yep. good and and as far and we mentioned gear a little bit but the the rod so just to reiterate it's a six seven weight rod yep. um and then and then yeah nothing else it's pretty standard and then the flies i guess fly you know there's a few different uh, mouse patterns give us a like a few that we should have for the box um, I'm a big fan of articulated mouse flies. It just really helps with trout mortality. Having that articulated hook, uh, gets that hook placement on the outside of the mouse so that we're not gilling these fish and killing them. Um, there's a few, ma- uh, few manufacturers out there that tie up some good mouse flies. I'm a big fan of the Rio pipsqueak. Great fly floats like a cork can be absolutely chewed on many, many, many times over and still floats. Well, uh, another good one out there is the, the Mr. Hanky. Great fly. Uh, but like I said, anything that's just not to sound like a broken record, but anything that's articulated is really going to help uh, with the fish mortality and these fish surviving. And that to us is of the utmost importance to look after these fish. And is foam, I know you could have like all deer hair foam. Is foam good to have in these flies? Um, I actually like the bits that are both fur and foam it looks it creates a better profile uh when you're looking at it from underneath like a lot of these mouse flies out there will have ears on them the fish don't see the ears they see the bottom you know to us the angler that looks good uh because it makes us have more faith in what we're fishing so does it help the fish or does it help the fly angler you know a little little bit of column a a little bit of column b but the the combination that have both you know either deer hair or synthetic fur mixed with foam creates a great profile of what you're trying to imitate the shore of the vole and also floats high so you're not having to dress you know like the old deer hair flies you're having to you know put gink on them or dry fly shake or whatever every third cast to keep those things floating whereas the the newer mouse flies that have the synthetic fur and the foam i mean they just float all day long you're not having to dress them and just you're able to spend more time fishing 
Yeah, that's great. Okay, and we'll we'll highlight here just the the giveaway we're doing for this trip, which is going to be really amazing. We're giving away a couple of spots to go um, up to essentially fish with you, uh, fly up to Anchorage, right, and head out to one of these rivers and and do some of this type of fishing. Yep, yep. Get out, do a do a guided float in the wilderness of Alaska and catch big trout on small mammals. There you go. There you go. All right, good. Well, I'll leave it at that for now. We're probably going to do some more of these as we go. But uh, yeah, and if any other questions folks have for you, we'll send them out to uh, fishhoundexpeditions.com. Is that the best place to connect with you? Yep, it is. All right. All right, Adam. Well, thanks again for all the time today. And uh, definitely excited about uh, these trips and uh, and connecting some of our uh, listeners out to you. So until we talk again, we'll see you. Thanks, Dave. That's a wrap for that Ask a Pro segment with uh, Adam from Fishhound Expeditions. We've been rolling along here, and uh, we're going to bust out one more of these coming up soon. So stay tuned for that, and we're going to wrap up this Alaska season and, uh, and get ready just in time for the actual real season, which is, which is going on right now. So uh, if you get a chance, please check in with Adam at Fishhound Expeditions. That's fishhoundexpeditions.com. And definitely check in and ask him what he has going for availability uh, and hook up with Adam and you are going to enjoy your time. All right. That's all I got for Ask a Pro. I appreciate you for stopping in today and checking out this episode and uh, looking forward to getting you on that next one. Hope to see you up in Alaska.